0: The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that results from listening to this podcast.
1: podcast i'm nathaniel darkish and this is max george what's your favorite scary podcast
0: that gave me chills (laughs) (laughs) Ah, how did you do that
1: uh there's a tiktok ghost face voice (laughs) that you can do text-to-speech with apparently oh i was was googling stuff and found that (laughs) that's amazing Everyone, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are talking
0: the iconic, the fantastic, the gritty Scream. One of Wes Craven's, in my opinion, like, perfect movies.
1: For sure. And we're also talking about Scream. You know, the the (laughs) 2022
0: one. Scream 5? Question mark? In parentheses. 5 Cream yeah, I am I'm kind of shocked, Nathaniel, that we haven't talked about the Scream movies before because they are so high on both of our like love lists. We love these movies to death.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those ones I think it's just because it's so good, it's kinda of almost hard to do it justice. But yeah, so we'll get into it. So yeah, today we're gonna talk Scream one and five. Eventually we will also get into the other sequels two through four which are also uh, movies that we have a lot of love for. And we're going to, you know, share our, our rankings of the Scream series and stuff later on in the episode. But we, we figured with the new one coming out, what better than to talk about the two films that are just called Scream?
0: And it was really fun as well, because you and I were able to kind of get together and watch uh, a few of the Scream movies together and kind of like relive the horror moments as buddies. Uh, Which is always fun. You always pick up on new stuff when you watch them together with people. You're able to kind of bounce ideas off each other. And I I really think we should do that more often.
1: Uh, Of course, life
0: life prevents us from doing that. Uh, But a lot of kind of the opinions and the insight that I have prepared for this episode came out of our little faux movie marathon we did. We were able to watch, what was it, Scream 1 and 3?
1: Uh, we did we watched two and three together.
0: Two and three, excuse me. You're right.
1: But it was a blast and then the next night we watched five, so
0: Yeah, and a few days before I had watched one. I and then the day we saw five, I watched four. I watched all five screens before I was able to see the fifth one, which was kind of fun. I don't know. I felt very prepared for Sidney Prescott.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and um yeah, I, I, I did the same. I made sure to, to get them all in um, yeah, like shortly before. Yeah, some of those really got up the wire, but but yeah, it was fun to kind of pick up on the, on the references and know who all the characters are again, and and really just make sure my Scream knowledge was was ready for the fifth one. And and it, yeah, it was it was fun. But we'll <clears throat> we'll get into that one uh, in a few minutes. First, we just want to dig into that OG Scream from nineteen ninety six like scary movies
0: what's the point they're all the same some stupid killer stalking some big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door it's insulting
1: there are certain rules
0: that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie number one
1: you can never have sex
0: <laughs>
1: never ever ever under any circumstances say i'll be right
0: back because you won't be back get another beer you want one yeah sure I'll be right back! Yeah, this movie is iconic. It's one of those films that, if you're a fan of horror, this is kind of in your utility belt of some of the best slasher movies out there, I think. Yeah. Uh, Scream is kind of this fun, whimsical mix of really fleshy horror mixed with tongue-in-cheek humor uh, with a huge layer of meta knowledge on top of everything,
1: yeah, it definitely you know is is a horror film for fans of horror films, which I think is really a lot of fun, especially you know coming from such a prolific director as as wes craven and um yeah it's it's just it's a blast
0: <laughs> yeah and and really I think. The first Scream did a lot of stuff that other movies hadn't done before, and the meta-ness, if that is an adjective, really brought a lot of that to the forefront. Uh, You didn't really see movies acknowledging other horror movies before Scream that I'm aware of, and if there are, please let us know.
1: Oh, I I will point out one other Wes Craven venture, actually, just specifically New Nightmare. He did just a few years before Scream, and that one is extremely meta, too. I would say that one was almost like a dry run before he really went full, went went whole hog with with the meta humor elements of, of horror with with Scream. So
0: yeah, and that's a good point. New Nightmare though is meta about the Freddy universe. It's not so much meta about the horror genre itself. Yeah, and again, I think allowing us to kind of know some of the genre going into Scream, Wes Craven was really able to have fun with it, but at the same time maintain kind of this weird level of respect of Scream. It's an excellent horror film, Mm -hmm. and never do you feel like it's cheap or superficial or kind of shticky, even though it is kind of very shticky. There's a lot of, you know, tug-and-cheek and a lot of kind of sass that in another kind of a movie, it would be a little distasteful to me.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I definitely feel like it's one of those ones that, like, on paper, it really shouldn't work. Like, it is so cheesy in a lot of ways. Um, the twists and turns are, I wouldn't say they're predictable necessarily, but they, I guess nothing that Scream does outside of just being as self-aware as it is, is necessarily that new or unique, particularly within the slasher genre. But the way that it delivers everything, the way that we have characters talking about surviving a slasher movie, that we have, you know, asking questions about favorite scary movies and you know having that inform how the characters are, you know, dealing with this uh, killer, or I guess you know, as we learned near the end of the film, killers on the loose, you know, that is such a interesting way to approach it you know it's it's not very often for example that we have i'm gonna you know switch subgenres and just talk about you know so so often with zombie movies they don't sit and call them zombies and and already have an existing knowledge of how zombies work almost always they say oh the dead or the walkers or the i don't know there's eight million different versions for for the term zombie but they don't you know know what a zombie is or how to interact with it Scream goes the extreme, far opposite direction, and you know, it knows slashers, it, you know, it even acknowledges the ones that this director made. And so that, I think, is really, really smart, because it really just lets, you know us kind of stand in for the characters more, because we as an audience also know and love those films, and you, know, probably have had those discussions of, "Oh, well, how would you survive this horror movie? And now, then we get to see, oh, no, we would still get torn apart. That's what's so fun about
0: it. Yeah, and at the same time, I think another really fun aspect of the Scream movie is it revitalized, in some regards, the slasher genre as a whole for me.
1: Well, I mean, it, 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 it revitalized it for just everybody. Yeah, I
0: mean, up to this point, we've had, you know, Freddy and this kind of dream motif and You know, Freddy 1 through how many Freddy's there are. And we've got Jason and Leatherface and Michael Myers, the worst of them all. Kind of these legends of slashers. And my biggest problem with slasher movies is the fact that oftentimes the killer is this invincible, almost godlike being. There's this supernatural element to them that they can never die or get injured. And what I really appreciate about Scream is that that's not the case. This killer is very mortal and very c- cemented in the rules of physics, so to speak. Yeah. There are a lot of times where the main characters, Sidney Prescott or Courtney Cox's... Um, Gil Weathers. I can't, Gil Weathers, thank you. Her name slipped me for a second. Uh, they're fighting back, and it's clear that Ghostface is... You know, taking the hits. There's not this paranormal protection that they have. And I think that adds a very in-depth level of realism that the Scream movies, to this day, the first Scream really gets under my skin because it can happen. There are psychos out there and they're human and you can fight back, but oftentimes it's not going to matter much because they're still slashers.
1: Yeah, a maniac with a knife is still a maniac with a knife, no matter how, you know, aware you are of how to, you know, survive a horror movie. And, and that exactly. is, again, what's so clever about it. And, and yeah, I love just like everything about Kevin Williamson's script for this. Like, that dude just really wrote a great movie. And honestly, I, I do kind of find it a shame that he did that. It didn't keep its original title. You know what the original title was? I don't. Scary movie.
0: Oh, that's right. I think I did know this, actually. Yeah. yeah
1: and, and, and like, I don't know. I, I actually think it's a really brilliant title for the film. I mean, obviously now Scary Movie has the connotations of the direct <laughs> parody of this film. Right. But, I don't know, it's, it's really, I think, shows how, how meta and clever it, it really is.
0: And I think it's smart, too, where it opens up... Uh, You know, the first Scream opens up with the Drew Barrymore scene, which has come to be iconic. You have the popcorn popping, Ghostface calls her, and she, for some reason, has this full-length conversation with him.
1: Because he has a sexy voice.
0: And you know, when I first saw Scream, I was like, oh my god, Drew Barrymore, this is cool, I haven't seen her in much. And then she dies in, like, the first 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, and and she was on the poster. She was the one that, you know, everyone was in it. It's
0: it's so clever to build up this anticipation of this, you know, A-list celebrity, Drew Barrymore. Everyone who knows, everyone knows who Drew Barrymore is. And then you just, you kill her. And you kill her gruesome. Uh, it, It was just, it really kind of... Set the scene for what was to come with Sidney Prescott. That this movie was serious about its kills.
1: Yeah, and and that no one was safe. Exactly. Yeah, no one was safe. And also, like, I feel like a lot of times when people think about Scream, they don't think about just how gory and violent, especially this first one is. Like, because, you know, some of the sequels, especially three, really kind of uh, tone it down. But, like, this one, yeah, like, you, you kind of see, like, her gutted as she's like hanging from a tree uh you know casey uh drew barrymore's character you know as, as her parents find her like the, you know you don't see a lot but the little flash you do see is is pretty upsetting and that's
0: just kind of the tip of the iceberg what scream does really well is i think it provides kind of this gritty intense gore it's not over the top it's not, you know, horror for horror's sake. It's not torture porn. It's, again, this realistic, authentic sense of gore that exists. It reminds me a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit, where hmm. the, the mise-en-scene, or just kind of the cinema of the whole movie, feels a little dirty. Uh, and then you get into those gore moments, and it feels more dirty. And so, by the end of the movie, you just kind of feel gross, and you love that as a horror fan because that's what you want—you want this uncomfortable horror feeling inside you when you finish a film. And-, and Scream One does it so damn well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I just love like every little detail in the film too. Is is making nods to different horror, you know that that you know we have characters last names all being nods to different uh you know iconic horror characters or directors or things like that and that continues throughout the whole series but just you know like one example is uh you know billy one of our biggest villains is billy loomis and loomis is like the name of the the doctor who is uh hunting michael myers um stuff like that like just like there's there's so many like fun little like trivia nods that just you know you can also just go oh <gasps> Hey, I know what that reference is. I know what that reference is.
0: Yeah, again, it's kind of this meta world that Wes Craven created that is just really fun for for horror fanatics like ourselves to watch. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Billy and Stu because I think them together are are some of my favorite horror slashers of all time. Not Ghostface, so to speak, but the the motivations behind these two characters is really Mm -hmm. dark. Uh, There's a lot to say about some of the sexism that is throughout the scream franchise uh it always seems to be the woman's fault and in particular the woman committed some sexual deviant act and therefore uh, the men seek revenge on the women and their family
1: <laughs> but but i mean i think I think the point is that it is criticizing that but yes go on Uh, Anyway, and so we have Billy and Stu,
0: who they're these cinephile maniacs who really kind of want to recreate the perfect horror film. And to do that, they use Sidney Prescott's character and kind of her backstory. Her mom cheated on her dad with Billy's dad and this whole kind of complicated relationship that doesn't really matter. Because the motivations behind the two killers is just they want to kill. They want to make a horror movie. It's as simple as that. Uh, and that's scary. There's the scene where, you know, Sidney's asking Billy, why are you doing this? And he's like, because. No motivation is the best motivation kind of a thing.
1: And, and I, I think that's definitely true. Like, a lot of times when we, you know, give our villains too much, it, it makes them uninteresting. You know, the...
0: It also makes them very superficial. This is one of the reasons why I detest the third movie and why I don't love the second movie as much as a lot of other people is, there's this motivation that, to me, it kind of takes it out of the realism. You know, you have revenge or you, again, you have revenge in the third one, but like familial revenge. And it, it to me, it's like, okay, you're mad and you want to revenge, but why kill? You know, it just seems like the most extreme way to deal with your sense of revenge. So it undercuts the scariness for me.
1: I agree. I definitely think that the strongest entries in the series are the ones that don't rely on that. I mean, I, I still love uh, like every screen movie like unabashedly, but I do agree that the weaker entries are tend to be the ones that yeah are pulling too much from from kind of typical motivations for characters you know when it is just like a hey i'm just a a, a person who wants to kill and for it to be fun and you know cinematic yeah that's that's the kind of thing that like really is engaging because it isn't the thing that we've seen eight million times
0: and getting back a little bit to billy and stew uh these characters themselves. We got Ski Ulrich, who's playing Billy. And then...
1: Matthew Lillier?
0: Yes, thank you. Man, I'm losing my words today. The two of them together are just phenomenal. Billy in particular, he plays this kind of, you know, bashful, but forward moving kind of boyfriend to Sydney Prescott, and she thinks it's him originally, and it builds this sense of uncertainty, which really is It kind of weaves throughout the entire movie. Nobody's really sure who the killer is at any given moment. And then you see him get attacked by the killer, and you're like, oh, of course it's not the boyfriend. We were stupid to think it was the boyfriend. And then it's the boyfriend! It's Hmm. bonkers! It's so fun! And Skeet really plays Unhinged very, very well. Uh, We have Billy, who's kind of this methodical, kind of thinking psychopath, and then Matthew, who's his, you know, crony, he reminds me of the, the annoying kid in Christmas story, you know, the one who follows the big bully around, <laughs> who's just unhinged. Like, the laughter, the screams, the crying, his performance was breathtaking and disturbing.
1: Yeah, uh, so good. Um, and, and really, like, everyone, uh, especially the main cast, really all deliver. like. I, I, you know, obviously, you know, Nev Cam- Campbell just is as, as amazing as Sydney in every single entry in the series. Courtney Cox is Gal Weathers, David Arquette as Dewey. I love me, David Arquette, minus his mustache. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, you know, Jamie Kennedy as Randy. Like, I love all of these different characters, and, and I love how developed each one is and, and how developed their motivations are. You know the writing is strong, the acting is strong. Like yes, like some of the characters are kind of cheesy. Like especially Dewey in this one, he's just kind of a lovable dork who isn't that good at his job yet. But I love that, like even just you know, again going into the whole series, like you see him get better and better at what he does, and and I like that that he is someone who grows as a character, and and that you know each character really has uh, a really interesting fleshed out. Character arc that's realized by these actors. Just everyone really nails it. Yeah, I mean, I think we could talk
0: and talk and talk about how just great this movie is. Uh, for a movie that was filmed in 1996, it sure damn as well holds up nowadays. It's yeah. scary, it's gritty, and I think my favorite word to describe the first scream is it's visceral. Uh, it will definitely make you feel a little gross, and it scares you. It, to this day, after a rewatch, that this first film really kind of gets to me.
1: One other thing I want to point out as, a, as another highlight is just how just just how phenomenal the the ghost Ghostface phone voice is. Just, uh, so it's, it's Roger Jackson who does the voice acting for that. And whenever, just oh, I, I love that voice and just like all of the like cheeky in, intonations and stuff that he does that really just like plays up the personality of what is otherwise a silent killer villain most of the time. You know, there's a bunch of different ghost faces over the whole series, but they always have that in common. Even if that conceit is kind of ridiculous that they all happen to have that same voice changer. Regardless of that, just uh, the iconic voice and, and how the banter goes and all of that is always so freaking fun.
0: Yeah, uh, this is a solid, solid horror movie. You can watch it around Halloween, it's great then. Uh, In the middle of January, it also rocks. Uh, Again, one of my higher rated horror films of all time. Uh, Let's maybe talk about some of the the cons.
1: It's just too good.
0: Okay, I saw your note about this and I was like, okay, Nathaniel, this isn't a con.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ha!
0: Uh, as I mentioned, it is kind of sexist throughout, uh, and not just I think Scream 1 is the least, or the least sexist of all of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 2 and 3 are pretty bad. And it's just, it doesn't really matter. I mean, sexism matters. But for the plot, you don't really care so much as to the why as to the what is happening in the present day. So, it's a con, because it's a con, but other than that,
1: eh. mm i I do hate how basically none of the actors seem like teenagers yeah. like 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 even though they deliver great performances, Oof. none of them look like they are sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, however they're old they're supposed to be. they definitely all look like they're at least twenty five which is like I get it like the the restrictions on filming for a minor are a lot trickier and it's harder to get, like, consistent acting and all of that stuff. Totally, you know, that, that happens. But it does... I, I, I do have to suspend my disbelief a little harder when, whenever I see, you know, these teenagers that are, you know, almost adults. And not
0: only the teenagers, but where are the damn parents? Where are
1: the parents? <laughs> yeah, especially murderers are on the loose. Why, why are they all slacking so much?
0: Yeah, where are they? Ah, it drives me a little bit nuts. More so than the characters looking like, you know, they're in their thirties, but they're trying to play sixteen-year-olds.
1: I did mention that the the conceit of the voice changer is a lot uh, to swallow sometimes, but it is a pill that we have to swallow, and <laughs> there it is.
0: Uh, really, that's about it that I can think of. Scream 1 is not perfect for me.
1: So what do you rate it?
0: Um, as far as Screams, I give it a 7. This movie really kind of gets to me. Uh, I don't know what it is about it, because I've seen a lot of worse movies out there. Uh, but the original Scream, I, I wonder if the first time I saw it, I was pretty impressionable at the time or what. But, oh, no, it's very jarring for me. I gave it a 7. Uh, the horror in it isn't anything over the top or crazy, but it really gets to me.
1: Um, I gave it a five. Yeah, screams wise, it has has some intense moments, and but yeah, like it, it never really really gets under my skin. Probably just because I'm having so much fun, and like you know, the horror nerd in me is just going, "Oh, but what is that a reference to?" For me to really focus in on on like getting scared. Um, crowns wise uh, solid 10 for me this is oh. one of my favorite horror movies I gave it a 9.5 uh, I'm
0: really holding my 10 for that movie that just encapsulates all of my horror desires and this comes close I'm so close but I just can't bring myself to give it a
1: 10 ok I mean you can you, you, I guess you can hold out but <laughs> this is a 10 movie for me <laughs> It's the closest I
0: feel. This and Hereditary have been the closest to ten, I think.
1: Okay, fair enough. All right, so now we're gonna switch gears to Scream
0: Five. Let's just call it Scream Five for the sake
1: of our sanity. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it Scream Five just for clarity's sake. You ready
0: for this? Never. Oh, stop. Wait, wait, wait. There are certain rules to surviving.
1: Attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past,
0: it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground.
1: So uh, this one is directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler uh, Gillette and written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, if you're fans of the Scream Kings, you know that we are very pro-spoilers. Uh, I know this movie just came out a few days ago, so if you do not want Scream 5 spoiled, please go watch it and then tune back in.
1: Yes, thank you. I guess before you... Go, just know we highly recommend it. It's it's a great movie.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic.
1: But yeah, now now spoilers will abound. I, I find it interesting because yeah, this film is the only Scream film to not be the Wes Craven uh, with Kevin Williamson writing uh, film in the series, and yet, in spite of you know not having the same creative team behind it, it kind of slaps.
0: Yeah, it's good. Um, I think a lot of people are going to hate me when they hear my critiques because I don't, I think we have gone in this kind of zeitgeist of taking these old original classics, Halloween, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, and revitalizing that. And the fun thing about this movie is it talks a lot about that. It talks about how sometimes that goes really good, sometimes it goes bad. Uh, It even goes as far as talking about like Star Wars to some extent and they call it a requel it's not a sequel but it's not a remake it's kind of a sequel to the original but set 20 30 years in the future
1: yes um Um, so
0: let me finish my thought real fast because i think what's going on with this movie is kind of a nostalgia bomb uh we had the absolute dumpster fire which was halloween kills uh which was just garbage We've talked about that, and I was really worried that this movie was going to do the same thing. Kind of just cheapen the franchise, it's a quick buck, uh, and we're, we're good, we're done, we're over with. And, fine. This movie is good, it's fantastic, I recommend it. It's one of my top screams. But I don't think it's as amazing as everyone is giving it credit right now. I think there's this real nostalgia fire going on that it is really good, is very similar to the original, but it it doesn't do much different. Like, it's not groundbreaking by any means.
1: Yes and no. I I think I like it a little bit more than you do, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into, I think, why once we're getting into our pros and cons, and, and you know we'll have a, a good discussion here, because sure. I do think that it does serve us a lot of nostalgia, yes. But I think it found a really, really good balance between the nostalgia, uh, particularly for the first film, and some interesting new ideas and content so I did, but before we, we dig uh, too far into like the plot, um, I did want to kind of clarify some terms, because I'm probably going to use a term that isn't requel. <laughs> because to me, this isn't uh, a requel. All of these terms get debated all the time on you know film, Twitter, and stuff. So to me, Scream 4 fits the bill of being a requel, where it's kind of a reboot, uh, sequel film that is, you know, intended to hopefully revitalize the series. It did not. You know, it kind of... I I think this new Scream has made more money in its opening weekend than Scream 4 did in the entire time it was in theaters. Yeah. Which is a shame, because Scream 4 is a, is a, a delight. Absolutely. But... This one, to me... Isn't necessarily fitting the bill of, of kind of being like a, a reboot-boot sequel. This is what I have, have seen uh, termed uh, often as a legacy sequel. Where, you know, this is and, and that's that's also how I've seen you know uh, other films like the the new Halloween films uh be described, as well as things like uh the new Bill and Ted. Really like any sequel that that is uh made you know many years after that usually yeah has a bunch of new characters and new elements and stuff like that but then also has kind of the legacy cast as well and so to me this one kind of feels more like that um but i mean regardless of what you want to call it i would say this is is a very good example of doing that well because a lot of times these legacy sequels suck yeah Fully agree with you there. It's like, pure and simple, they're unnecessary. And this one is unnecessary too. The Scream series would have been fine forever if it had ended with four, or even three. But I, I, I think that, that these you know, more recent Scream films, not that you know, Scream 4 uh, coming out 15 years ago was that recent, or I don't know however long ago it was. It, it, was, a, it was a hot minute. I, I think, you know, kind of fundamentally, this is unnecessary. This isn't, like, ever intended to have been a film, but the fact that they, like, pulled it off as well as they did to me is what makes me really excited about this. Yeah,
0: and again, I want to clarify that I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's fantastic. But I think because they did it in a way that really gives tribute to the original, a lot of people are very quick to kind of oversee the faults or explain them away. Yes. From a film critic point of view, the more I thought about this Scream 5, the less impressive it got to me. Um, you know, in the moment in the theater, it's like, oh wow, Scream! It's so cool, <gasps> awesome. And then, you know, three or four days after the fact, I was like, eh, it was fine.
1: Yeah, I I think that's fair because you're right. Like, it, it does very little to that that is new or that interesting or unique uh, for the series or for slashers in general. It's it it is just another Scream.
0: With that said, though, let's talk about some of the good stuff that it does.
1: Oh, because it, yeah, what it does well, it does extremely.
0: And I think the thing that stood out to me the most is they were able to take that grit and that dirtiness of the original and really continue to have it uh, in this Scream 5. Uh, There were scenes, one in particular, where this knife is slowly going through a character's neck and you see all of it. Uh, And the camera, you know, that's the focus of it all. Uh, and it's really harrowing. And again, it, it, it harkens back to the original of zooming in and kind of focusing on the realistic gore.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I was very impressed with the violence and gore effects. Um, it it definitely you know felt more like a a more modern horror film in that respect. Yeah, because there are some real grody things that happen. Like there's also you know a knife that goes through a hand and. All sorts of stuff that just like really like makes you go, oh, but I was there for it. Loved it. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. And the gore continues throughout it again, like I said, maintains that level of kind of visceralness to it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then also it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like I mentioned early on, this movie is all about kind of that requel or legacy movie. It talks about that. It brings it to the forefront. It makes the main characters discuss it. It knows what it is, and there's just humor in that. I don't know. at one point, they were kind of blatantly making fun of Halloween Kills. Yeah. Because they are like, yeah, they, they try and do it, and they try and bring in all these legacy characters who don't even matter at the end of the movie, and it just is a dumpster fire. And you and I kind of shared this moment of clarity of like, oh my gosh, they're digging at Halloween
1: Kills! Oh yeah, I mean, it even like referred to someone as Jamie Lee because of that. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, very, very great. I also loved like a lot of the self-mockery that it had, too, you know, knowing that it's unnecessary, knowing that there's a bunch of scream movies and all that kind of stuff, they have you know made the in-universe stab series uh, go all the way to like number eight, and that one was supposed to be kind of like a reboot or, or uh, what uh, a requel, uh, as they they phrased it, and like even there's just a, a little like YouTube clip that someone's watching that's saying like why didn't like it, it was a missed opportunity they should have uh, named it STA. Then an eight for stab eight, which, you know, was the fact that they committed to the bit enough to not do the five uh, as the S for scream uh, as the title, like because everyone wanted them to like the whole like I've seen like 50 people on Twitter make make comments like why didn't they just name it that way? It's it's just, it's like so obvious. And then like the fact that they made a joke about it in the show itself. That's that's commitment to a bit that I appreciate.
0: Yeah, and again, I think this is what Scream 5 does really, really well, is it draws from what was good in the first one, kind of this meta-knowledge, not taking itself too seriously, uh, kind of this whodunit, twist-and-turns type of a plot,
1: Mm. and and
0: then also maintaining the grit and the gore. It it kind of ignores 2, 3, and 4, which I really appreciate because those are clearly the weaker films. Uh, it takes that inspiration from the first one and just really evolves into a very
1: good movie. Yeah, but I like that like two, three, and four still happen. Like they're they're still part of the universe. It's not like it's it's the the Halloween. Oh, uh, only the first, uh, only the original film happened, and this is a, a, just a sequel to that one. This one doesn't <laughs> do that with Scream. Like, 2, 3, and 4 still happened, but it's taking most of the cues by going back to the original and really making that the, the pinnacle of the source material, because, yeah, it is the best entry in the series. So, of course, you should go to that well as opposed to one of the other films.
0: And then it pulls back in these legacy characters who we love. Simi Prescott is a very likable character even gail weathers you know Mm -hmm. this kind of conflicted reporter who learns to love you know as cheesy as that is these legacy characters are very again grounded in realism sydney prescott has decided to move away and you know try and distance herself from westboro so has gail weathers she's divorced dewey dewey's kind of a deadbeat cop he retired quote unquote i think there was some kind of subtext there that their breakup really hurt him
1: and he became an alcoholic and
0: yeah Uh, but they're not these again epic jamie lee curtis moments who were like oh there's jamie lee she's gonna you know fuck up michael myers and then she stays in the hospital the whole damn time these characters are real and they have skills and like knowledge that doesn't make me hate them they're not just a legacy character they are a plot character
1: Yes, and, and I like how also, you know, it, it, it does hang a lantern of like, hey, this shouldn't have happened this many times. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I'm Cindy Prescott, of course I have a gun. <laughs> yes, or, or my favorite one was, Sam, I want you to help us kill him. You want me to help you and the host of a morning show to commit murder? Correct. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so good. I love that line. It Oh. That part slayed me because like, yeah, it shouldn't happen. These people shouldn't be drawn back in. But it, but it gave us believable reasons why they would get pulled in in this particular instance, and even sp- if it has happened too many times. Specifically with
0: Sidney Prescott, I kind of saw the rumblings of this when we first were introduced back to her character. She's staying away from Westboro. Dewey calls her and tells her that the murders are back. And he tells her to, you know, don't come, stay out there, wherever you are. And she's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. I'm staying out here.
1: But thanks for for letting me know so I can, you know, keep a loaded gun a little closer to my, you know, trigger finger.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated
1: that. And I thought, oh, I
0: guess Sydney's not going to be in this one. It was a fun way to, you know, talk about a legacy character without having them in the movie. Uh, But then... Uh, and here's a big spoiler for people. We've warned you. Here's your consent. You know, Ghostface ends up killing Dewey. And it is a very kind of jarring and traumatic moment. He's trying to follow the rules that have been set up by, you know, the entire franchise. He's trying to save somebody. uh It was kind of this weird send off for Dewey, framed in murder, that felt very respectful for his character. Of course, he would die. Facing off Ghostface,
1: and and I like that killing Dewey also was the kind of equivalent of killing off, um, you know, a, our our a list star from from the first film, you know, killing Drew Barrymore because if if one of our legacy characters can die, then anyone is is on the chopping block.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then his death, of course, you know, Gale calls Sidney Prescott, and Sidney's like, oh, of course I'm coming to Westboro. Like, I'm not not coming now.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a
0: very kind of high-risk, clever way to get our legacy character motivated again, yeah. giving them a reason to participate in this murder.
1: And and I love that, like, the the approach in this one was was totally different, too. It was, like, they had guns and, you know, Gale and Sydney were ready to blow anyone away, you know, that, that, that you know, someone runs, you know, one of the, the killers runs out and is faking injury and they're just like, hmm, I think she's faking it. Yeah, she's faking it. Yeah. they just And then just start opening fire, like, so good. They're
0: over it. They are over it. <laughs> I feel that energy.
1: Which, yeah, that's the best way to do that kind of character, because you would be.
0: Yeah, it, you just, you would have zero fucks left to give if this was your fifth time facing off a killer copycat. Yeah, you're not going to care. You're going to point and you're going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good film, everybody. I know I was kind of pooping on it earlier, but it's, it's solid.
1: I don't want... Solid and pooping into being the same sentence. <laughs> oh
0: boy. Coming from the man whose favorite line is it crapped the bed, so it's yes. your own fault. Alright, um, let's let's move in to talk about some of the things that maybe didn't go so well.
1: Yeah, um the I guess the killer's pretty early in the film. Say that again? I guess two the killers would be too Oh, early.
0: yeah, same. It's very apparent what they're doing here. Uh, which was a disservice because in, you know, one and two, it's very kind of who done It feels almost like a mystery. And in two, of course, the boyfriend, you're believed to be the killer. Uh, and then, it, you know, Sydney trusts. It's kind of this weird mind game of she thinks her boyfriend's the killer, but then she doesn't, but then she does. So she doesn't save him, ultimately killing him, and he was innocent all along. Yeah. And so I, for a minute, I thought maybe they're not going to do the boyfriend thing again with our main character. Uh, but then they did. And it, uh...
1: Though at least, at least they did have him make fun of her. It's like, it's always the boyfriend. Of course it's the boyfriend. Yeah, they did. They did. Which
0: is nice. But again, it, it was too predictable. Yeah. He was far too cheery and supportive to be believable.
1: Yeah, and, um, the, uh, the other one, um, Amber, uh, she was just, yeah, a little bit too intense, uh, in that friend group, yeah, she, I, I, I had a lot of suspicion about her too, so, so I, I wasn't, like, mad with who it was, and I, I liked the idea for their motivation, um though it didn't develop that quite well enough.
0: Yeah, go into that a little bit because that's one of my bigger problems with it too.
1: Yeah, so so basically it's, you know, their their motivation is to reinvigorate the their beloved stab franchise. They want to, you know, have have that be the the thing that brings it all back, you know, killing the the legacy characters and um you know basically yeah giving a a new real life inspiration for the their their next favorite slasher film and you know covering it up and you know creating a, a new villain with uh our you know kind of new protagonist Sam that that you know maybe she has this you know evil reason to to be uh the killer because she's the secret daughter of Billy Loomis and all of that like all of that is you know, yeah, their motivation is basically to create a, an opportunity for a new film. That's not a bad idea for the screen series, but they kind of just like throw that at us like right at the end of the film.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about kind of the requel, legacy sequel, whatever it is, about how fans are toxic and how they hate them and it's never gonna be as good as the original. Yeah, and it's definitely yeah, you know,
1: it, making lots of of jabs at things like how toxic um, the the fans uh, that that ultimately got us the Snyder cut of Justice League were, or just you know the the toxic fan base of Star Wars, things like that. It it was making interesting commentary about those kinds of things, which is extremely on brand for Scream. It just kind of just shoved that at the very end, though. If they had more of that woven throughout the film, even if it wasn't from those characters, I think it would have been stronger.
0: Yeah, and that's what the original Scream does, I think. You know, they talk about these horror rules. They talk about the horror world. It's not the killers that are always engaging the conversation, but it's part of the dialogue of the film. So it's on, on your mind. You're thinking, oh, the metaverse is here. And it makes sense why the killers are doing what they're doing. But this one it kind of played ping pong with that and then the legacy characters and I just felt like, again, it was giving the killers a motivation where it wasn't needed and it made them weaker.
1: Yeah, it, it did kind of weaken them a little bit and, you know, again, as far as scream motivations go, I like it. It just they just needed to set maybe a couple more guns on the mantle to use the, the Chekhov's gun now. Um, just to make that really pay off better because, yeah, they they spend so much time talking about like how a lot of sequels, especially unnecessary sequels, suck, but they didn't talk about the fans nearly enough.
0: Well, and then to piggyback on that, they, again, are talking a lot about, you know, this toxic fan base that wants a new movie but doesn't want anything different from the original, and if they don't do anything new or exciting, it's just... You know, a rip-off from making money to make money kind of a thing. And this was probably my biggest uh, kind of frustration with this new movie, is they didn't do anything new. There were two killers. Killers were in the friend circles. A big, important character dies. There's a lot of gore. There's some mystery and an intrigue, and then a resolution. There's, there, it felt very derivative of the first film. So I kind of felt like they were building up this meta-knowledge of, we're going to be different, and then they
1: weren't different at all. Yeah, I, I, I think that they could have delivered on that a little bit more. I was, I was
0: convinced for a moment, because I was, I was thinking, this is Scream, they've got to do something different. I thought the main character's sister was also going to be a killer. That they got her sister back, she knew about the heritage of her dad being Billy, And she was in on it as well, that it was this crazy machination that had been set up for months. And I was excited for that, and then it wasn't.
1: Yeah, I think that would have been more satisfying. Another problem I had with the film, to kind of shift gears, is... I really didn't like all of the, like, hallucinating uh, Billy stuff. Yeah, it felt very cheap, maybe? Yeah, it, it was cheap. It was... Very convenient when it would pop up. And frankly, it's just, that's not how mental illness works usually. Like, most people, oh. if, they, if they're if they going to have uh, any sort of hallucinations, it tends to be one sense. It tends to be auditory or visual, not like, oh, hey, I'm going to hallucinate a specific person that I've never met in great detail uh, that I'm related to, and he's going to tell me to do bad things.
0: Well, and then, like, what was the whole purpose of it all? It felt very... They just wanted Billy back for a few scenes. It it didn't play anything into the plot. It had no bearing on her decisions, really. Like,
1: Yeah, and I think, like, maybe what they were trying to do is try to give us a red herring that maybe she is actually crazy and is doing all the killing or something like that. But... That doesn't work with a lot of the things that happen, so it wasn't that good of a red herring.
0: Yeah, if you have to explain your red herring, it's not a very good red herring.
1: Yeah, so that was definitely one of the weakest parts of, of the film, and honestly, just doesn't really. You know, yeah, yeah, it just, it just didn't add anything.
0: Uh, again, I think it relies a lot on teenagers making just dumb, stupid decisions. Mm. Why did nobody call the police? where were the parents the main character gets attacked by a sociopath like three times and she's just at a convention in europe like if it was my kid i would get back there yeah Uh, i don't know it's just it was it's screen so yeah we have to suspend our belief a little bit sure but it just was a little much it was a little much
1: yeah, and, and also just like, hey, we're gonna have another like rager party at the same house. There was just yeah, a lot of like little things that I was just like, this is maybe a little bit too convenient. I'm not necessarily mad. It just again, I, I have to suspend my disbelief a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more.
0: Anytime they answered the phone, I wanted to be like, if I if I got a call from a crazy person, I first would you know, hang up. They called again, I'd tell them to stop, and then I'd probably block the number and call the police. I wouldn't have this like prolonged conversation with them.
1: Yeah, I, I do like that the ways that they got people to talk to them on the phone, particularly, you know, got a bunch of Gen Z kids to answer their phone, was <laughs> yeah. more grounded in reality. Like, you know, it was answer the you know, it was texting and then it was answer the phone. And she's like, no, and then answer the phone or I'm going to kill her. And then there's a, like, uh, you know, Snapchat video. That makes more sense to me.
0: Yeah, but I love the scene where Sydney gets a phone call and she's like, yeah, I've seen this movie. And just hangs up and you can hear Ghostface as he's being hung up on being like, wait. And you're just like, yeah, it's because she's an adult now. She gets it.
1: Yes. I yeah, I loved that it played with that. (laughs)
0: She just didn't give him an opportunity.
1: It was also, uh, another thing that you pointed out in our notes is it is kind of unrealistic that, like, Ghostface, uh, when Ghostface is Amber, who is a very petite teenage girl, is, like, majorly overpowering, like, Dewey. Like, I think she's the one who killed Dewey. And, like, you know, he... Yeah, just... That was a little
0: much, um, I thought maybe it was the boyfriend that would make a lot more sense to me, but then she has a line at the end where she talks about how good that felt to kill Dewey, and it was like, wait, what? You, you, like, 16-year-old girl who is wearing a metal choker, you're the one who killed Dewey from five Scream movies? This makes no sense.
1: I think if she were a little bit more physically intimidating, that would have worked a little bit better. Sure. But she was quite petite. So it just, yeah, yes, yes, she would have had a knife and that was a big part of it. But there was like a pretty like intense physical altercation where he was definitely like delivering some blows. So it, yeah, again, just I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit more than I wanted to. (laughs) Any other elements of this film that we want to talk about before we get into ratings on this one?
0: No, I don't think so. I think that is about it.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, Screams-wise, I gave it a six. Um, I felt like uh, some of the the gruesome, uh, grody bits really kind of upped the scare factor a uh, hair for me.
0: Yeah, and I gave it a five. I really loved the gore and the grit. I wanted more. Um, and maybe, again, I wasn't in such an impressionable mood when I saw the, this one as I was
1: when I saw the first one, but It was good. It's scary. Yeah, It's gory. Rounds-wise, I gave it an 8. Maybe, like, with all of the things that we just talked about as cons, maybe that's a little bit high. But you know what? I'm just going to stick with it. It's an 8. I really like this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, good. Stick with it. Uh, I gave it a 7.5. Originally, I did give it an 8, but I actually dropped it as we were discussing. Uh, Because I do, I really think... This movie has the nice benefit of feeding us a nice helping of nostalgia and still being a good movie. Hmm. So you're kind of just enthralled. And if you go back and think of it as a critic, it stops being so amazing.
1: I'm just a fan. I I love this whole series. And this one, honestly, was one of the best screen movies. So speaking of, let's let's talk about our rankings of the series. That's fine, Nathaniel. I let you have your rating. Let me have mine. No, I, no, I, 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 I I'm actually agreeing with you. I just, I'm saying. Okay, it sounded like a "you're wrong" no, without no, telling no, no. me that I was wrong. No, no, no. I, I, sorry. I, I was actually agreeing with you. Like, I, I, I definitely think that, like, the more critically you think about this one, the more it doesn't hold up. Sure. But it's hard for me to. Think of it in those terms, just because I had so much fun watching. And again, it's an amazing movie. Go see this one; great horror. Yes. All right, so uh, I I, I want to know how how do you rank the the scream movies? So for me, number one is number one. Obviously, of course, of course. That, that that's the same for me. I really love
0: four. Mm-hmm. I rewatched it right before we watched five, and I think it's clever. I think they do a lot of fun stuff. They bring back the gore a lot of new characters are really fun and sassy. Uh the killer is fun and motivated. It felt more like a requel than a legacy sequel. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um it I don't know, I really was scared by it in some regard. Uh it was fun. And then number 5, although 5 is pretty close to 4. They're mm-hmm. they're almost the same. And then 2, I love 2, but Four and five just beat it. And then three is not great.
1: Uh, for me, I go one, of course. It's, it's a perfect movie. Then uh, five for me is, so So this one is my second favorite. Uh, after that, I go two, then four, then three. But I mean, like, we're talking, like, basically just we're, we're down to, like, the nitty gritty, just, you know, minor things are what, like, put. Uh, two over four, for example. I think four really—it just boils down to that—that that kid's stupid webcam thing that he's always broadcasting really irks <laughs> me, and so that is the only thing about that movie that like wouldn't put it over two. But yeah, I I, I love this whole series. Like even three, which has a lot of flaws, it's a lot sillier and uh, much less dark. Much less violent than the other ones, and, and definitely has the the weakest plot. It's still like a great movie. I freaking love all of the scream movies. I I can watch all of them over and over again.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, I would echo that. This franchise, above all other you know big blockbuster horror franchises, is the most accomplished and most solid in maintaining its
1: horror. Yeah, it's it's just a high caliber series like. I, I just, I'll, I'll always love Scream and I'll always love to watch them, even, even when, yeah, some of the sequels have, have some flaws. I just kind of don't care because I'm having such a fun time. <laughs> and that is fine. So, how have you been seeing Spooky?
0: Oh my gosh, I've actually been consuming a lot of horror lately. And I think I've I've watched a lot of movies, and there are two I really want to talk about. One is a warning, another as, like, my staying spooky Mm -hmm. recommendation. Uh, So I'll start there. On Hulu, they have the movie Sensor. It's free to watch if you have a Hulu subscription. I was really impressed by this movie. I really want you to watch it, because there's a lot to think about. And I think it would be a really fun podcast episode. It, It talks about, kind of in the 60s, uh, you Ugh. know, the satanic panic that was going on, and in particular, gory horror films.
1: Uh, the video Nazis, right?
0: Yes, there you go. And the main character is a censor, so her job is to watch these terrible movies and, you know, greenlight or red light them for mass consumption. Which sounds like a dream job. If anyone's listening <laughs> <laughs> who needs that, let me know. Huh. Um, and, and it goes on from there, and it, this is one that you would not want spoiled. Uh, so definitely check it out; it's phenomenal. Uh, the warning I want to give everyone is: my boyfriend and I watched one of those like Watch Mojo top ten films on YouTube one day, and the one that we watched was the like top ten most banned horror movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them I had already known about, you know, Human Centipede or. Uh, uh, What's a Serbian film, that's the one I'm thinking of. Hostel was one, you know. Stuff that was pretty fine. Uh, but then they mentioned one called Antichrist that has Willem Dafoe in it. I had just seen Spider-Man, i have been on this Willem Dafoe kick, and I was like, you know what? It's a banned horror movie. That means it's going to be awesome. Uh, this movie, Nathaniel.
1: So, so we're talking I... Lars von Trier's Antichrist, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Um... It is dark. It is... I don't even know what words to describe this movie. Uh, I don't really believe in the idea of, like, evil. Um, And I don't think a movie... Any movie is, like, inherently evil. This movie kind of made me feel like that a little bit. Uh, There's a scene in particular where a woman takes a pair of scissors to her genitalia, and it shows it all. Um... It was hard to get through. I paid for it, so I was committed to watch it. Uh, I had to burn some sage and kind of cleanse my house. It put me in a really deep, like, funk for a day or two. Uh, There are just some movies that are dark, and they go beyond horror, I think, and this is one of those movies.
1: Yeah, I... It it's a film that I've like read about and I've I've heard some discussion about it and stuff and I, I definitely have decided that I will just never watch it. Um Yeah, it just it's it doesn't sound like it's for me. Um and, and I,
0: I I wanna give credence, like I'm a horror critic. I wanna watch, you know, give me the grittiest thing, you know, that that to me is exciting. And this one it just I, it was a mistake that I had to make. To know it was a mistake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just yeah think that that, that not every movie is for every person, and that's fine.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there was a lot of uh,
1: pathos and mythos to this movie that
0: you could discuss and talk about. It's very, very art horror, uh, really cool themes that were coming through, through the three beggars and whatnot. Um, But the mechanisms to get to those moments were just too much.
1: Well, that 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 renews my desire to not watch <laughs> that movie. But I do yeah. want to watch Censor. That one has been on my list for a while. Oh, it's so good. Okay, well, I have been staying spooky lately. Um, so uh, I, I guess I got two things on my, on my docket as well. Uh, so one is that I have been reading a horror comic lately uh, called Gideon Falls. It's kind of awesome. Um, it's kind of hard to describe though basically it is about like a priest who is begins uh working in this uh area where there's there's this like evil thing that happened involving like this like black barn that like took a kid and then disappeared and it's kind of hard to describe there's a lot of there's a lot going on but it's like really brilliantly written it's really creepy I really, really like it a lot. um I've read the first two volumes, and uh just got the third one from the library, and I cannot wait to read it because I really am digging it. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm going to start watching Yellow jackets because
0: it's so good
1: yeah my one of my students uh has harassed me about it basically every day for the last like month, and also uh just all of horror Twitter is absolutely smitten so Clearly, I need to get on, this, uh, on board this train.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, Mark and I have watched the first two episodes. It is kind of a slower burn, uh, but there's a lot of horror elements that I really love. So keep it up. I would love to keep talking about it.
1: Uh, yes. So that one is high on my list.
0: Well, this was a solid episode. We would love to get some more guests on this year. So if you are interested in being on the Scream Kings podcast, have any spooky stories to share or just have a horror movie that you love if you've worked on any horror movies whether as a writer or on the production crew let us know we'd love to stay spooky
1: stay spooky need even more scream kings here's our obligatory shameless social media plug follow us on twitter or instagram at scream kings pod you could also email us at scream kings podcast at gmail.com
0: Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to
1: patreon.com forward slash screen Kings. Stay spooky.